Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a recently published book by Sage Publishing. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and shops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with Chief Information Security Officers. Dr. Chatterjee is an Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia, and Visiting Professor at Duke University's Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Jimmy Lentz, Director of the Master of Engineering in FinTech and the Master of Engineering in Cybersecurity at Duke University's Pratt School of Engineering. Jimmy is a highly experienced executive, lecturer, and scholar in the field of banking and capital markets. He's extended himself to take on the role of the director of the cybersecurity program as well. So this presents a great opportunity to learn from Jimmy his thoughts and perspectives on cyber, you know, coming from his background, his experience, and then we will roll as the discussion evolves. So Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate your time. I'd like to begin by asking you, given your experience, how do you relate to cyber security education and training? Dave, first of all, let me thank you for having me. This is a, a fantastic opportunity. Uh, you've, you're very accomplished in your, uh, your own right. And so it's always, always fun to, uh, to speak with people who are uh, also live in the academic world and, uh, and the industry world. So uh, again, thank you for having me on. That's a great question to start with. Uh, I've approached it from kind of the, the engineering perspective, everything as applied. Um, so I think about cybersecurity. And when I think about it, and I think about the education in particular, I um, stray away from the theoretical and always more towards the applied. There are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, I, I came up uh, in, uh, in a business school, and that's where, that's where my doctorate's from. And, and I love business schools, but they tend to be a little bit more theoretical. Um, one of the reasons that we have these uh, the two programs that I run in the engineering school is because of the applied nature. And so I think in, in this day and age, that is much more valuable to students and to industry is learning those skills that can be applied right away. And so that's always my bent is towards the applied side of things. Fantastic. So um, let me share with the listeners, and I'm sure you are aware of all this, a couple of things which uh, would make sense in our discussion this morning. Um, as we all know, the, there's a tremendous growth in cybersecurity positions. Um, the report that I'm referring to is talking about a 350% growth in open cybersecurity positions. Then um, I look at another report where they talk about uh, unfulfilled or unfilled jobs globally, uh, which is in the millions, over 3.5 million. Then there is also another report that talks about the cybersecurity skills gap problem that's worsening. In other words, there are positions, we don't have people with the right skill sets. So that brings up the next question. 
In terms of skill sets, Jimmy, what do you what 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 do you think students should be getting from a cyber program, cyber education yeah. program? That's such a great question. I, I don't hear it enough. Uh, people talk about the program, but they don't talk about the uh, the actual skills. And we've been, I think, very, very purposeful in designing the, the different classes in our program. Um, and we've been just as purposeful on uh, finding professors to teach those classes. I think that's really, really important. Um, pretty much every professor we have in the program also works in industry. Right now, they're working in industry. And so being able to transfer that industry need immediately, um, we can be very flexible. We uh, can add classes. We can sunset classes as the need changes. And I think just the nature of cybersecurity is very dynamic. So our ability to, to change classes and to reflect what, what the need is um, and even anticipate what the need is is really important. So to your question, exactly, uh, beating around the bush there a little bit, but to your question exactly, I think that we have to look at where the greatest vulnerabilities actually occur. It's an interesting thing uh, in cybersecurity because most cybersecurity defense mechanisms, defense methodologies involve uh, kind of higher walls and thicker walls. But since the Middle Ages, we know that higher walls and thicker walls don't really work very well. When we look at hacks and things along those lines, what do they actually, you know, what, what, what actually facilitates those? Is it somebody using some kind of a supercomputer to, you know, breach things? No, it's usually social engineering. In fact, in over 99% of the cases, it's some form of social engineering that's actually taken place. And so, what we have done is we've looked at that, that human element in, I think, a very different way. Uh, we, we actually have a class on the human element taught by Dr. Missy Cummings, who's um, one of the foremost authorities in uh, the human element in engineering. She's, she's written quite prolifically on it. She teaches, and she will be teaching uh, a class in the human element. So that was one way we addressed it. But we also looked at it in, in other classes and tried to interject that human element into other classes, into the risk management classes, into classes around access. Um, access. Uh, and so I think that staying very, very abreast of what's going on and what's happening is, is probably the most important thing we can do. But we do have, I think, uh, a rather unique perspective. We've kind of taken that same perspective on the interdisciplinary nature of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity doesn't occur in a vacuum, right? Um, there are regulatory implications. There are legal implications. There are policy implications. By the way, I think all those could be a little stronger. But we're working, uh, we, we actually have classes that, that, touch, right up, that touch upon that. Um, we have a class that uh, Kim Kotler teaches that brings in people from public policy, that brings in people from the legal side, the regulatory side, so that students are very, very well versed in this. So when they go into their, their next role uh, in industry, they have that kind of perspective. I think that you know, a breadth of, of perspectives is really necessary in cybersecurity today. I think part of the problem that you just mentioned around uh, kind of this, this, this lack of training, lack of skill set. 
um, is because people have been taught one thing and, and they've gone very, very deep in that one thing. But I think today to be successful in the industry and to, to serve industry and the public in general, we have to have a, a really broad breadth of skill sets and understandings. Does that answer your question, Dave? <laughs> you know, more than answers my question, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I'd like to quote uh, the Hewlett Packard CISO, Joanna Berkey, who says, um, or who wants workers who understand the business, who speak in business terms and view themselves as business people as well as technologists. She says, security professionals need such skills so they can help manage risks, which is the prime objective for the modern security team. But bottom line, you know, uh, echoing what you just shared, it's very important to get um, or to train the future leaders, the future professionals in multiple skill sets. And broadly, if we can categorize them into the hard skills and the soft skills standpoint, it's very important to do that. And I, and I feel that being in an engineering school it is automatically assumed that students will come out with a strong technical background. So to be able to provide that humanistic perspective, provide the policy perspective, provide the program development and governance perspective, I think that will really help create that you know, integrated and holistic cyber education program that we've been talking about. So that's an excellent, uh, that's excellent to hear. Uh, moving forward, when it comes to teaching in the classroom, and you are a very accomplished educator in your, in your own rights. Thank you. What does it take to be effective in instilling some of the skills that you've been talking about? Gosh, it's, a, it's such a good question um, to, to hear it that way. I think that, um, I think that the, the people that come from industry, and I mentioned this before, all of our professors have worked in industry, and, and many of them still are in industry, in fact, almost all of them are still in industry. I think being able to relate anecdotes from work to the students is sometimes a stronger motivator than anything else. Um, that I think students relate much better to people that can apply learnings directly to the work environment. Uh, I think students uh, are much more engaged when, when, that, when that occurs, when a student can ask a professor about a question, say um, Ramana Chamardi, who teaches uh, uh, identity and access, um, uh, he, he also does that for one of the largest mutual funds in the world. I think they have uh, on, uh, on, on par of like 20 million customers. So he's, that's his day job. So when a student asks him about certain access controls, and he can relate to that by what he did today at work, there's nothing like that. Um, there, you know, there's, there's nothing like that kind of experience. You know, learning that from a book or learning it from a lecture is one thing, um, but being able to actually relate to it immediately, wow, that's, you know, that's something completely different. So I think engaging students, um, getting them excited about what you're teaching, those are, those are kind of just table stakes. We all, and we all try hard to do that. You know, some people are, are better than others, um, and some classes facilitate that a little bit better than others. But I think having those, that, that experience, that work experience, and being able to share those experiences with students and use those as examples in learning, students will remember those forever. Very true. And I'm sure uh, you would also include hands-on 
opportunities by, by way of projects or building a tool, opportunities such as those could also will also enhance their learning and experience. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because uh, we are an engineering school, and sometimes I take it for granted that, that people remember that we build things. Um, you know, we build bridges, we build buildings, we build software, we, we build things in, in engineering schools. And so uh, pretty much every class is hands-on. Um, it, it, we do have uh, projects that allow students to, uh, you know, to, to integrate into uh, different sorts of uh, applications and things along those lines, so they can apply their learnings right away um, in in building all kinds of uh, of different kinds of things. We also have, uh, very fortunately, two of uh, two of our professors. One is the chief information security officer for Duke University. The other one is uh, the chief information security officer for Duke Healthcare, which is one of the largest healthcare providers in North Carolina. You know, not only can they bring that, but that can actually take students back to their labs. And so students have the opportunity to get hands-on in the environment that they're learning in. So yeah, that, that hands-on part, I think, uh, again, I think it's a little bit unique in an engineering school being able to do that. I think in other schools, it, uh, it's a little bit less so, but, uh, but that's, that's kind of uh, just what we do. We build things. Okay, uh, good to hear. Uh, another aspect that I feel is key to enhancing cyber awareness. And, 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 and I come at it from the standpoint that when organizations get breached, let's say it's a phishing attack, let's say the person who gets compromised, he or she may not be a cybersecurity trained professional. It could be just another person doing another job, which is not a cyber job. Sure. From the cybersecurity training and education standpoint, such as universities as Duke and others, I think it is imperative that they recognize that. And when they let people out to the workforce, they make sure they have some fundamental awareness, fundamental knowledge of cyber. And we were, during our discussion before this uh, interview, you mentioned of how um, you all open up your program to students from other fields. And I think that's a great way of enriching the class demographics, this class interaction, and at the same time, you are also letting students who are maybe majoring in a different field also gain some cyber awareness. And that's how we spread this training amongst pretty much the entire workforce and not limited to people who are focusing on becoming cyber professionals. Your thoughts? That's a great point that you, uh, that you make. Duke is, I think, a little bit unique in that respect and that uh, students can, uh, can often take courses outside of, not only outside of their major, but outside their school. So we can have students from different colleges within the university that are in the classroom. So you, uh, you know, in, in your class, for instance, you'll have cybersecurity students, but you also may have students from the Sanford School of Public Policy or the law school or computer science uh, that are very interested in cybersecurity and at least having a perspective on cybersecurity. The, the other thing I love about that is not only are we kind of spreading the word a little bit and we're, we're getting the word out there, but they add a really unique perspective on the class. Um, because let's face it, when you have all the students in one major, they're all taking the same type classes uh, they, they usually come from, you know, similar backgrounds. Uh, 
their their perspectives are going to be somewhat limited. But all of a sudden, when you introduce a student that is coming from a mathematics background or a public policy background, well, now you've 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 really increased the perspective in the classroom. And I think that's really valuable for students and for instructors. Uh, I think having those other perspectives that that come in the door uh, force a professor to, to think a little bit more broadly, but also open up considerations for students that they may not otherwise have had. And I think that's it's such a valuable thing uh, to, you know, to, to be able to do that. Um, we work very closely with several other schools on campus, including undergraduate uh, students, some of the some of the the, uh, the upperclassmen in the undergraduate uh, programs uh, have the opportunity to take um, take some graduate courses. And so I think those are opportunities here that uh, that exist that I would I would highly suggest other universities that, that don't have those now uh, allow that that kind of thing to uh, to uh, to operate. But I think it, it, because I think it, it, it does expand the, uh, the educational process and the educational opportunities across the spectrum um, to, to both students in the major and outside of the major. So I, I can't encourage that enough, um, those, kinds of, those kinds of interactions. Great. Good to hear. You know, going, um, continuing along the lines of the different types of skill sets, uh, soft skills and hard skills. Now, many of us, we are familiar with the hard skills. We're talking about the technical fundamentals, we're talking about you know, DevOps skills, cloud security skills, there are a variety of them out there. But what struck a chord with me was the other day I was talking to the chief information security officer of a major institution. And he said, he said something very interesting. He said, Dave, do you know what's one of the most important skills for being a CISO? I said, what is it? And he says, you know, learning to accept change because our field is constantly changing, it's constantly evolving. Every day is a new day. There is uncertainty built into everything that we do or engage in. So from a soft skill standpoint, being able to instill in students, uh, first to recognize that you have to be prepared for this kind of a business world. Also, you know how you navigate this kind of an environment, I thought was, kind of uh, very valuable. Would you like to speak to that? Yeah, I, 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 it's, such a, it's such a good point. Uh, one of the things that I think bogs down a lot of organizations, and, and I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say legacy organizations, um, you know, they usually have legacy portfolios, um, legacy you know, infrastructures, technology infrastructures, but the thing that bogs them down most of all is legacy thought. They, uh, I think the, the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to make change and to be able to make change quickly and to change your mind is something that is uh, rare at a lot of legacy organizations. They, um, you know, they've been around for a long time. And so there's an institutional thought that is just a killer, um, in particular when it comes to things like cybersecurity. You and I were talking about it before, and, and you mentioned it, that cybersecurity officers should think like business people. The CISO is, a, is another business person, and they should think that way. Um, but for such a long time, it was thought as an add-on, something else, just an expense, something that we, you know, had to do. And they they didn't have the same kind of seat at the table. I think that those kinds of things have been, um, you know, are, are are slowly changing. And I think it, some companies that's a it's a much more dynamic role that allows for that that change. 
Um, we do, different things do happen. You know, uh, there are technology things that happen. There are, um, you know, things that, that occur in society that lead us to change our minds. And I think that's one of the, the greatest things that, that we can do is have the ability to change our mind and say, hey, we need to change direction here. We need to do something different. Um, the world has changed. The technology has changed. Things are changing. And so we need to take on a very, very different, uh, uh, I think, perspective on things and approach to things because of that. That ability to change your mind is, is probably one of the things that CISOs should, uh, should always embrace. And I think that you know, people who they're reporting to need to understand why. Uh, when, when a CISO is afraid to make a change or to change their mind because it's going to shake up the organization, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a really dangerous place to be. Um, they should never be afraid to change their mind. They should never be afraid to speak up. And I've heard that from a lot of people in industry um, that you know, one of the things that we need to do in our educational process is to give people the fortitude and the wherewithal to feel comfortable speaking up and saying, you know, saying no sometimes to, uh, to things, not, you know, not, uh, you know, kind of falling in line, but being able to, and, and actually feeling good about, you know, voicing their own opinion in particular in, in areas around cybersecurity. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, talking about empowering people, it brings to mind the research that I've done, the book I have published, where I refer to this high-performance information security culture. And one of the traits of a high-performance information security culture are highly em empowered, uh, trained, aware uh, workers who will not hesitate to blow a whistle if they're saying, if they see something is not going right in the organization. They will not hesitate to go to the right person, even if that means superseding their boss to report an issue uh, that they think could cost the organization dearly. It reminds me of the stuff that we hear at the airport, that if you see something, say something, that kind of a mindset, that kind of an approach. But to be able to see something, you need to also have that level of awareness. And that's where the, the multidimensional, um, multi-pronged approach of training comes into play. Related to that, um, I was again reading another article where they list the important skill sets. And they you know, talk about interpersonal skills, they talk about business acumen, and they talk about agility. And I'm focusing intentionally, I'm focusing on the soft skills because soft skills generally don't get emphasized. Uh, you see all these cybersecurity certification programs, they focus on the hard skills because the soft skills are not easily quantified or it's not easy to train them. So that's, that makes it a challenge, but that doesn't mean you ignore it. I think you have to confront it. So, you know, talking about uh, instilling in students interpersonal skills, I think you, you talked about agility from a change management standpoint. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I have a, a few thoughts there, Dave. I, uh, I think that there are, um, as you said, there's a real need for, uh, for any cybersecurity professional to, uh, to feel comfortable, you know, stepping up and, uh, and voicing their opinion. Um, as we found, you know, in, in a lot of cases, that's uh, that saved the day 
And when people were reluctant to do so, you know, the, the companies, uh, companies experienced organizations, I don't want to say companies because this happens in governments too, organizations experience uh, the negative effects. Um, the one thing that I, I think that um, I try to provide students is uh, enough perspective and enough knowledge so that they don't have to resort to scare tactics. It seems like, um, in particular, CISOs of, you know, maybe the past generation, um, and, and you can see this from, from vendors in industry, um, they resort to scare tactics constantly. Um, you know, this is this terrible thing's going to happen to you. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that should never get to that point. Um, I am a firm believer, you know, you, you were talking about quantification of certain things. One of the things that we do do is we spend a, a fair amount of time on understanding and quantifying different kinds of risk. We have a class in risk management. That's what it does. Um, we, we do spend a lot of time so that somebody can um, provide a, you know, a board of directors or a, a CEO uh, some quantified uh, opinion so they can say, you know, with a certain, you know, probability, certain confidence level, uh, this is likely to occur if we don't make this, this change or make this investment or, you know, put these resources to bear on a, uh, on a certain issue. Those kinds of things, I think, you know, um, having a, a student or having a professional that feels comfortable stepping up, but also feels comfortable because they know how to quantify things, um, that's a, you know, to me, that's something that just can't be beat. Uh, but I, I do think that both are, are very necessary. When um, I, I, I'm, I'm always, always suspect when I see presentations that lead off or that lead to uh, some kind of scare tactics. And when I was uh, working in the financial services industry, that was the, uh, the sales tool of choice, um, scaring people. Uh, I, was, I was always suspect. I thought, if this is the best you can do, um, no, probably not. We're, we're probably gonna go with somebody else. I wanna know, you know because I, to me, cybersecurity is like any other investment in the organization. What, what, does it, what does it lend the organization? Yeah, it protects the organization, but does it allow us to you know, maybe take advantage of certain opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise, we might've been afraid to? Um, does it allow for other things? Does it allow us to, to leverage different things? Um, this goes back to our, our discussion about you know, business people. Cybersecurity professionals have to be business people and they have to be able to see things in, in all of those lights. So I, I do you know I, I do think that, that those are those are really important and uh, having having students uh, acquire those kinds of skills, that's just priceless. Absolutely. Uh, talking about scare tactics, it uh, re reminds me of a little story. So the CISO of a major restaurant chain shared the story with us. I was at a CISO um, uh, meeting, and she said that uh, she over a period of time she was able to establish a certain level of credibility with the C-level folks in her organization that when she would go into a top level meeting and share a scenario and request funds or request support, they would know immediately that she's not crying wolf. She is serious about it. So that requires a certain level of business savvy and certain level of business maturity that requires an understanding that when you're trying to get cybersecurity investments, when you're trying to make the business case, how you need to approach it. And that skill set, that ability can only come through a program that addresses 
not only the technical side of things, but also the business side of things, the measurement side of things, the governance side of things. So recognizing these kinds of needs and addressing them, I think that's what separates a great education program compared to the many others that's out there. So it's very encouraging to hear your thoughts um, aligned with uh, what I think should be a good approach. But uh, Jimmy, this has been fantastic. Um, great talking to you. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share? You know, I, I think, I, you know, it's been a, really a pleasure. I, uh, you and I always uh, get along well, and we always, we can, we can go on and on for uh, forever about this, uh, about education and, and in general, but cybersecurity. Uh, I think that You've you've hit upon some really unique aspects of education that we've that we've brought into our program. Um, aspects around you know the human element in uh, in cybersecurity and how important that is. The fact that you need the technical skills and the the interpersonal or soft skills. The idea of a CISO as a business partner. By the way, we actually uh, have several. Um, several uh, business courses that are required of, uh, of our uh, cybersecurity students. I think, you know, this idea that we're, we're providing students with the wherewithal to speak up in an organization, to feel comfortable being able to talk to, you know, boards of directors and CEOs about, you know, the need without resorting to, to scare tactics, with uh, being able to use uh, quantifiable risks and being able to uh, being able to to be comfortable about that, and then lastly about the interdisciplinary nature of of uh, cybersecurity and in particular for cybersecurity professionals uh, today. And the you you mentioned it one time, and I didn't really seize on it too much, but you know this is a global issue. This is a global problem and opportunity. Uh, this isn't something that's just here in the United States. We have students from from all over the world because. This is a global problem. This is a the, the need, as you mentioned, you know, the the uh, millions of of unfilled roles around the world. Um, those are only going to grow. Those aren't going to get smaller. And so I think that you know more educational programs are 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 you know I would encourage more uh, and and different kinds. But I'm really looking forward to uh, we have our our uh, orientation starts next week. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to welcoming uh, the new class that comes in the door. And uh, looking forward to working with you um, throughout the uh, throughout the year. So uh, I would encourage people to uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime with any kind of questions they have, either about the Duke program or about me personally. I'm I'm always happy to uh, to uh, field any of those kinds of questions. But again, thank you very much for the opportunity, Dave. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. That's that's my my pleasure, Jimmy. It's been a great talking to you, and I'm glad that you brought up the international aspect of the program because I think bringing in students from other countries provides that additional perspective uh, that uh, that all students can benefit from as well as faculty. So once again, it's been a pleasure having you, Jimmy, and um, looking forward to talking to you again on this subject and others. Have a great day. A special thanks to Jimmy Lenz for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.